Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 60 minutes of insight and analysis on the volunteers and Titans. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Football is back, and we are set to bring you the Tennessee Power Hour served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. The premise is simple. 60 minutes, a half hour on the balls, and a half hour on the Titans. Straight football each week right here on one of the top stations across the state. I'm Jonathan Hutton with Chad Withrow. And, Chad, it's out of the gates. Here we go with the Tennessee Power Hour. See my forearm right now, Hutton, and how the chill bumps are happening? Yes. It's not because this room is a little bit cool. It's because that open right there (laughs) and the knowledge that football season has arrived, it really gets me going. I'm excited about what we're going to be doing throughout this season. Yeah, so every week throughout the fall, we will be discussing all things football with Tennessee Vols and Tennessee Titans. And we will start today, for instance, with the Tennessee Volunteers. They're first on the gridiron, but there may be some weeks where we go Titans first in the first 30. Yeah, this is the perfect stop if you are a Titans and Vols fan. If you're interested in football in the state of Tennessee, we've got you covered every single week. This week's show is going to serve a little bit more as a preview of what's to come, obviously with the Titans not getting started for over a week from now. But we're going to get you set for all things Vols and Titans. Hutton, I'm excited. The chill bumps are still here right now, so I'm ready to get going. And a huge thank you to Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Two Rivers Ford jumping on board with sponsorships for the Tennessee Power Hour. Let's get right into it, Chad, and let's start with the Tennessee Volunteers. And quarterback Hendon Hooker, who is back as the starter after a phenomenal season where he came off the bench for Joe Milton at this time last year. Everyone had high hopes for the Michigan transfer in Joe Milton. He's talking about NIL and how much money he received to go to Tennessee. I mean, he was very open about it. And then, turns out, Hendon Hooker was the better option for Heupel's offense. How important is, is Hendon Hooker to everything Tennessee football is about this season? Well, you're right. A year ago, we were in awe of the way that you could see Joe Milton throw the football, right? Physically, how he looked, how he was throwing lasers in practice, and he goes into that Bowling Green game as the starter, and he gets hurt against Pitt, and quickly Hendon Hooker becomes the starter, and he took off with it. 2,945 yards, 31 touchdowns, and this is the key stat for me, three interceptions. 31 TDs to only three interceptions, a QBR of 78 last year. Hendon Hooker is the guy for this offense. I think that is so paramount for Josh Heupel and what he wants. He talks about operational quarterbacks and how they operate within the offense that may sound cliche for some but when you're snapping the ball every four to five six seconds and you're trying to get people lined up and everyone knows exactly what they're doing and you need a quarterback to get the snap and know exactly what he sees with the defense and get rid of the football and not throw a pick six because he's not seeing things properly that is exactly what Hendon Hooker could do a year ago I think it's only going to get better in year two a theme for Tennessee football this year and on this show, and we're going to start to see this revealed throughout the season, especially with SEC competition, what is the, the changeup from SEC defense is going to look like? Are they more equipped 
to go against Tennessee's offense this year and the fast-paced nature in which they play. That's going to be a big question mark for Tennessee. But Hutton, they don't have a question mark at quarterback with Hendon Hooker, and that is great news for Josh Heupel and the Vols going into this season. I love his leadership qualities, too. Speaking with him at SEC Media Days, he's very level. You know, he's not too high or too low on his play, on his teammates, anything like that. I came, it came across, I'm very surprised that he did not jump to the front of the pack for Josh Heupel last year based on his demeanor now. But in a way, I guess, it, looking back, he also needed some time to develop, and he didn't – I thought he reacted better to being the backup to start the season coming off the bench than he did grabbing the job from Joe Milton – when he had the opportunity. Well, it's an interesting story with Hooker, too. You know, he was at Virginia Tech. He had some success there, but eventually lost his starting job. He transfers to Tennessee in that transient time period where Jeremy Pruitt was under investigation and may not be the coach much longer than Jeremy Pruitt is gone. So he still sticks with his commitment to Tennessee. He shows up on campus. Obviously, a completely different offense under Josh Heupel and what he brings to the table. Sticks with Tennessee in that offense. Shows up in camp. And the coaches said he just looked a little bit hesitant. It looked a little bit like he was just trying not to make a mistake. And some of the coaches saw him playing pickup basketball and saw how loose he was playing basketball and how dominant he was in the basketball court. And their message to him was, hey, play this game like you play pickup basketball. Relax, go out there, let it rip, have a little more swagger and confidence. And once he started doing that, he doesn't look like a cocky guy on the field, but he looks very sure of himself within this offense as the season wore on. And Tennessee's looking for more of that this year. Hendon Hooker, one of the veteran leaders returning. Let's discuss the newcomers to this roster. Chad, four newcomers that you want to see early this season on the gridiron. And by newcomers, Hutton, I'm saying both incoming freshmen and also transfers to this team. Guys we've not seen in orange before. Let's start with the obvious. It's the guy who just recently was deemed eligible by the NCAA. Former five-star, former number two ranked player in the state of California in the class of 2019, Brew McCoy. He's going to be a starter at receiver. He's going to be the starter opposite of Cedric Tillman. That was a big question mark coming into this season. We know what Stillman, excuse me, what Tillman brings to the table. We didn't know what Tennessee was going to have opposite of him on the outside. We're going to talk about the guy on the inside in just a little bit, but Brew McCoy is going to be huge for this Tennessee's offense, and he's going to be huge because he's huge, much like Cedric Tillman. He's a big physical presence at 6'3 and 230 pounds. I think that He's the guy to watch to see how Tennessee is going to advance past just chucking it up to Tillman at times and hoping he goes and gets it. You may have two guys like that now for Tennessee, which is going to make it even more difficult on opposing defenses. Second guy I want to watch, complete opposite size-wise of Rue McCoy, a guy by the name of Squirrel White, who is about five foot eight. He's listed at 5'10". I'm told from those that watch practice all the time, probably closer to 5'7", 5'8", about 165 pounds. And he is 165 pounds of lightning. They call him Squirrel for a reason. That's how quick he is. He is an Alabama State champion in high school. His team finished 15-0. and You're going to see him some on special teams this year. He's a guy I want to see in games, even if it's just on special teams returning the ball, to see what type of added element he brings the offense. Two defensive guys to watch. One is from the great state of Tennessee. Elijah Herring played his high school football at Riverdale, four-star prospect. Tennessee has gotten better depth at linebacker, but I'm still not completely sure about what they have there. So Herring's probably a guy you're going to see more on special teams in his freshman year, but I want to see him get a look at Mike Linebacker as well. And finally, another Tennessean, Andre Turrentine, a guy Hutton that we covered in high school football at Innsworth in Nashville, former four-star, fourth overall player in the state of Tennessee, 
played a little bit of special teams, got 10 snaps against Maryland a year ago while he was at Ohio State, but he redshirted his freshman year at Ohio State, comes back closer to home. He should be a contributor. He's in the two deep at safety for Tennessee. He could play safety. He maybe could play a little bit of corner also. Andre Turrentine, a newcomer to watch. And he played tight end at Ensworth as well. Great and he, was a, he was a good tight end. Yep, great athlete. Uh, now, for, for the, the veteran players, we, you gave us four newcomers, four vets that need to step up and be a version of what Theo Jackson, for instance, brought to this team a year ago. Yeah, let's go ahead and call this the Theo Jackson Award because this staff and Tim Banks took Theo Jackson, who was, let's face it, a disappointing player for Tennessee up until last year, and turned him into a star in the SEC. And that star turned him into a draft pick for the Tennessee Titans, which we'll talk about later in the show. Tamarian McDonald could be this year's Theo Jackson. He's an in-state kid, played at Whitehaven in Memphis, has mostly played special teams so far in his Tennessee career. He is going to get first crack at that star position we saw on defense from Theo Jackson a year ago. So Tamarian McDonald, a guy to watch in the Tennessee secondary. Amari Thomas is another West Tennessee kid, played at Briarcrest in high school, He has got to take a step up. Losing Matthew Butler may be the biggest loss on defense for Tennessee. Another draft pick from a year ago. They're going to rely on Amari Thomas for a lot of snaps this year on that defensive line. He's got to be big in a lot of ways. Speaking of big, Jalen McCullough was a little too big to play safety a year ago. and Because of that, Tennessee's secondary speed is a big question mark. He's lost some weight this offseason. All reports are he looks quicker in fall camp right now. That's going to be tested. He needs to be quicker. He needs to be more of an impact player. He is a veteran guy, a senior at safety. So I want to see a little more quickness from Jalen McCullough. And finally, in that Tennessee secondary, Warren Burrell steps into the number one cornerback role as a senior, taking over for Elante Taylor, who, by the way, was another Tennessee draft pick, which we haven't been able to talk about a lot of Tennessee draft picks in recent years, but we had a few last year. So he's going to step into that Alante Taylor role. He's not Alante Taylor from a physicality perspective, but Tennessee needs him to be much better as a number one corner for this team because they were pretty porous in the secondary a year ago. They got a lot of guys coming back, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. The hope is you see a lot of improvement. You've touched on Cedric Tillman and Brew McCoy. Let, let, let's flip to the offensive side. Why is Jalen Hyatt so important to this Tennessee offense taking the next step? I think Jalen Hyatt is important to the program, Hutton, for, for this reason. He is the perfect example of a guy that was recruited by Jeremy Pruitt and the previous coaching staff who did not buy in to Josh Heupel and what he was preaching when he came in. And he even admitted as much this offseason. He wasn't all in a year ago. And because of that, he wasn't much of a contributor early on. He got a little bit more, uh, got better as the year went on, got more reps as the year went on. He has transformed his body. He is going to be in the slot to start the season. To me, this is the sales pitch for Heupel, right? If he's going out on the recruiting trail, he's looking for guys to transfer in. It is, look at Jalen Hyatt, a big-time prospect coming out of the state of South Carolina, and he didn't buy in originally, but then he did, and look at his stats. Look what we were able to do with him. And, oh, by the way, Hutton, he's got a little brother who's a borderline five-star prospect also. So it would behoove Tennessee to get him the football and make him look really good in order to land his little brother. A lot of continuity within this Tennessee Vols coaching staff and now with the roster. Uh, what a difference a year makes from how we all felt about the Tennessee Vols in 2021 versus 2022. That's where we'll pick up with Austin Price of VolQuest.com. He joins us coming up on the Tennessee Power Hour. 
served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. The best Vols coverage from the site of record. Vols Quest Austin Price joins the Tennessee Power Hour next. Cheers, Hunt. Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey and Nelson Brothers bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. The best Vols coverage from the site of record. Vols Quest Austin Price joins the Tennessee Power Hour now. And we are served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey alongside Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton, joined by Austin Price of VolQuest.com. AP, good to have you on. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Fantastic. How, how would you describe the vibe around the Tennessee Volunteer Football Program today compared to at this time last year? Well, there's just a lot more There's a lot more energy. And I think the biggest thing, guys, is they're just kind of on steady footing. A year ago, there was a, it, was a, it was a shaky ground underneath Tennessee because of the uncertainty. I mean, you feel like the NCAA thing is, you know, not totally behind you, but, but almost behind you. Um, it certainly feels like Tennessee is going to avoid any kind of bowl ban there. Um, and they've done enough to self-impose and this and that over the last year and a half. It's where you feel like Tennessee's going to come out of this uh, relatively unscathed compared to um, other programs in the past. And it just boils down to how they handled it. And then there's excitement. You've got a returning quarterback in Hendon Hooker. You've got Cedric Tillman. You have a defense that is much deeper than it was a year ago when the three of us were playing at some point during the season. Um, you know, I, just there's a lot of energy and a lot of excitement and, and expectations that come with that, and mostly expectations because you do have Hendon Hooker returning at quarterback. How much of Hooker's play has, has, has improved from when you saw him in practice a year ago to what you observed throughout the entire fall camp? Can, can you see noticeable differences in his demeanor, in his confidence, in his overall level of play? I think you see the biggest jump. If you watched him last spring, I'm talking spring of 2021. If you watched him spring of 2021 and then fall camp of 2021, compared to the guy that played in the games, compared to the guy that you know has went through practice this spring and then this fall camp, it's two different players. Um, he, I think he really lacked confidence and Joey Halsley talked about that, about how he was a different player playing pickup basketball than he was on the football field and how they really tried to, you know, really impress upon him, hey, be that same guy from a confidence standpoint on the practice field, on the game field, between the white lines, that you are playing a pickup game of basketball. And it resonated with him. And all of a sudden you started to see the light come on and he's played much more confidently. And so he carries himself as the starter. The one thing Joe Milton never, ever lacked was confidence. And I think maybe being around Joe may have actually been a good thing for Hendon Hooker as well because 
I think, you know, Joe carries himself with a certain swagger, and I think it's brought it out in Hendon. You know, those two are roommates. And so, yeah, there's a noticeable difference. But I really, not necessarily last year to this year, I see the, the difference between last spring and last fall camp and then once he became the starter through now. Austin, I'm tempted to ask you for a preview of the Alabama or Kentucky games like a ball calls <laughs> caller would for Josh Heupel, but I'll, I'll bypass that and instead ask you about Brew McCoy finding out last week that he's going to be eligible for the season and what that was like in terms of Josh Heupel sharing the news, him getting to share the news with his family. It actually led to a pretty cool story when he found out that he was going to be eligible for the 2022 season. Yeah, and, and Brew is a really, really good kid. And I, you know, I wasn't there for any of that stuff in L.A., but I, here's what I do know. There's always two sides to every story, and everybody heard the one side and lumped him in as guilty. And, and again, I'm not saying he was or wasn't. There were no charges filed. I just know that there are too many times where, you know, everybody just assumes guilt, you know, until proven innocent. And, you know, the, what, the kid that I've been around, the kid that I've talked to, you know, He's as respectful, well-spoken, thought-provoking as a kid as you can encounter. And you heard, you know, his teammates. You heard Coach Heupel talk about that, um, you know, over the last several days. And you know, I, I think he's a real addition to this to this program. I really do. I think that they really were, you know, craving to get him eligible because he obviously helps on the, uh, you know, on the field. But you know, I think he can be a real leader, and I think he can be a real asset to the locker room. Um, as an older and veteran guy who I think is a really, really intelligent kid. So, um, you know, I think that this is, you know, a, a big deal that he got eligible for Tennessee from a production standpoint, but a big deal also off the field um, as someone who can help lead. Austin, I want to talk about some newcomers in some of our early Power Hour shows because the season goes on. We may find out these guys are not going to play much and are going to redshirt, so we have the possibility of them playing early in the season Let's get to a few guys. We discussed some in the first segment, but I want to ask you about a pair of running backs for Tennessee that they appeared on the opening depth chart. Dylan Sampson and Justin Williams-Thomas. How much should we expect to see from them? What can you tell us about both running backs? Two different guys. I think you're going to see them. How much time will tell. Jalen Wright's got healthy here near the back end of fall camp. So if you said, you know, who's going to feature more early on in the year? I would tell you probably Jalen Wright because, again, there's a comfort level there. He's had a great offseason. But because he had to miss most of fall camp, they were kind of thrust into more situations. They were always going to get some run. Tennessee's not real deep at tailback regardless. But, like, they were thrust into being that number two and number three back behind Jabari Small. So Dylan Sampson's got a unique skill set. They love the ability to get the ball out to him in space. They love getting it to him, uh, throwing it to him on screen game out of the backfield. Uh, Justin Williams-Thomas, a bigger back, a guy who's really finding his footing as he's went through fall camp um, and has really had a nice last two or three weeks. Um, but he's the biggest back in the room. And so if you're needing short yardage, you know, do they lean on a guy like him, um, you know, over the course of the season? Yeah, I think it's potentially uh, a guy they look at for that. But, you know, ultimately, like I think you're going to see both both kids play this year, but they both kind of – give you a little bit something different, which is nice. You, you want that thunder and lightning or the end of the yang. You don't want the same guy in two different versions. And on defense, two guys that Tennessee staff hope can be able to rush the passer as their career goes on, Joshua Josephs and James Pierce, uh, both at that Leo spot uh, on uh, at linebacker slash defensive line. What do you see from those two players? Do you think they're going to get some early looks? They are. 
Um, I think Joshua Josephs is, is Tennessee's second best Leo at this point, uh, behind Byron Young. And, you know, James Pierce has, has started to find his footing in fall camp as well. If you said who's going to play first, it will be Josephs. Uh, but I think both play, um, you know, early in the football season. And then I think it's up to them how much they play long term because you don't, you know, the coaches fall into that, you know, can we can we depend on this kid? Is this kid going to bust? Is this kid going to be in the wrong position? Um, you know, they, they want to know they can count on him. So if they prove that, you know, they can count, you know, that the coaches can count on them, then I think you'll see both because they're both uber talented and the coaching staff loves both uh, and they're upside to help this defense long term. Austin Price of AllQuest.com, our guest on the Tennessee Power Hour. Austin, Cedric Tillman, to me, has a chance to become a household name. He, he already is known across the SEC for his, uh, the way he, he performed last year in some big moments. But a household name uh, whenever the NFL draft rolls around a year from now, uh, where people are talking about him and his production within this offense of being a go-to guy. In, in many ways, and we've chatted about this briefly before, the, the same way Traylon Burks was viewed in this year's draft as a go-to guy for Jefferson. Do you agree, and what can this year mean for Cedric Tillman? It can mean a lot. And again, I think that Brew McCoy getting eligible helps Cedric because you're not going to be able to roll coverage every down towards defending him. You know, And, and I think another guy that all this benefits is, is Jalen Hyatt. But I think long-term, this is you know a chance for Cedric Tillman to establish himself. Think about when Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and everybody, they put up the video. They love, you know, you don't think they're going to not put up the video of when Cedric Tillman is, you know, beasting against Georgia and Alabama and, you know, some of the best teams in college football last year. They're absolutely going to do that. And so the more he can have those type of games against that type of competition, you know, the DBs at LSU, the DBs at Bama, you know, I mean, it, this is a real opportunity for him um, to really take a huge step forward and, and really rise up a lot of draft boards. And I think, you know, he's definitely got the capability to do that because he's big enough, he's strong enough, and he's fast enough that in this offense he should thrive again in year two. Austin, on defense, the Vols are definitely deeper. Does deeper mean better? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, just because the the wrong injury last year or the wrong injury this year could you know potentially you know be the difference between a win. Um, and now you have more quality bodies across the board. I, I like the back end. Like, I don't know if Tennessee's got any A-plus defensive backs, but I think they have a lot of B-plus top defensive backs, like a lot of them, like a lot of them. And so I think that there's the possibility there that, like, you know, okay, this guy goes out with a shoulder, this guy goes out with a hamstring, new guy comes in. You don't really fall off at all because they are a deeper team. A year ago – you know, when they had a couple of injuries that, you know, Alante set out the bowl game, you saw a huge difference in some of those backup players that had not played that just weren't ready. And so I think this year it's different. I think it's different. Um, that linebacker, they are, last year they were really kind of two linebackers with, you know, Solon Page is the three guy and not much after that. This year you're talking about, you know, Jawan Mitchell, Aaron Beasley, Jeremy Banks, Elijah Herring, Solon Page, Pat Garland, and, and there's, you know, five, six guys there that you feel comfortable with. Um, you didn't have that a year ago. To me, the biggest weakness is defensive tackle. And I don't – I think there's some talent there, but they are inexperienced, and they've got to prove themselves. A guy like Bryson Eason, Rodney Garner's super high on him, uber talented, but got to be more consistent. 
you know, that there's several guys like that in that defensive interior. Like, you know, you know what you're going to get from Amari Thomas, but outside of that, you know, a lot of questions. We can easily circle Florida as a tentpole moment, Alabama. We would all put those aside and say, of course. I'm curious, is, is there another game on the schedule that you feel like is a pivot point for this Tennessee team to turn a corner? I think it's Pitt, man. I really do because I think if you if you beat Pitt, I think it gives you confidence going into that Florida game, and, and I think it all starts with them. Could you could you lose to Pitt, beat Florida? Sure, you could, but I, I think you know I think it's paramount for the fan base for the program that they beat Pitt and then beat Florida and, and sweep September. At that point, everything kind of changes, the floor changes, the mindset changes. Again, all that's easy to say. It's easy for me to sit here at the end of August first part of September and say, Hey, this is what, you know, needs to happen. The facts are Tennessee's only won eight games twice since Philip Fulmer was fired in 2008. The facts are Tennessee has not won nine or 10 since 2007 when they went to the SEC championship game. And there have been most everybody else in the league has won 10 games. Tennessee's not won 10 games since 2007. 15 years. So, you know, it's easy to sit here and kind of, you know, do the, the mock schedule and put wins and losses like they're doing the SEC network. But actually getting to that point is few and far between. And I think to get there, they've got to have a big month of September. More than just schedules is VolQuest.com, your number one source for all things Tennessee athletics, especially Tennessee football. Austin Price has been our guest on the Tennessee Power Hour. You can follow him on social media at Austin Priceless. AP, football is back. That is a great feeling, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you again next week. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. You're the man, AP. Austin Price there. When we come back, we flip gears, and we talk Titans on the Tennessee Power Hour, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. From Knoxville to Nashville, Titans news and analysis on the Tennessee Power Hour. Out of the gates and ready to go. It's the Scott Frost referendum tour, as I've called it. It is tour stop number one of that referendum tour in Dublin, Ireland, and he fails miserably with that onside kick. There's no analytical approach that tells you to onside kick it against Northwestern up 28-17 at that point in the game in the second half. There is a video of a rant of a Nebraska fan up right now at outkick.com that should be hung in the Louvre because it is a masterpiece. It is six and a half (laughs) minutes of a guy who starts by saying, I'm doing this rant in the bathroom because that's where bleep belongs. And that's exactly what this program is under Scott Frost and and goes about it. So I'm going to steal one of his lines in this. You allowed a team that wins by rock fight to give them a big stone, basically, to throw in this game. You don't give Northwestern a good good field position chance. Outkick 360. Weekday afternoons on your home for the Outkick Network. The news on Rocky Top and Music City. More on the Titans and Vols next. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. It is time to talk some Titans on this Tennessee Power Hour served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. And this Titans segment is brought to you by Two Rivers Ford, Tennessee's premier volume Ford dealer who sells all non-specialty new Fords at just 1% over invoice. Custom order your new Ford from Two Rivers Ford or give them a call. 800-900-1000. Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton, as we shift gears from the college game to the pro game, 
Hutton, a lot has happened when you look back to that loss against Cincinnati back in January in the playoffs. What's the biggest storyline for the Titans going into the 2022 season? Derrick Henry. It's number 22 in the backfield. We have not seen much of him, Chad, uh, to this point. We're about to. And I, I don't think the Titans will use him any less than how they rolled with him early last year. Uh, there is this narrative or perception that he has been rehabbing this offseason. And I, he rehabbed to get back to the Cincinnati game. He has been in offseason training mode, and they treated him the exact same way during training camp as they did a year ago, where they've maintained and, and listened, to, uh, listened to him and how he wanted to react to certain uh, reps in practice if he wanted to play in the preseason. Of course, we didn't see him, and I don't think they would play him anyway if, if, if he wanted to play. But they did recently give him some 11-on-11 work with pads. So they're starting to really crank him up and get him ready for the New York Giants on September 11th. He's the key because they have issues on the offensive line. They are not as good at wide receivers they were a year ago without A.J. Brown. To me, the offense still goes through Derrick Henry, and it, there is no reason for expectations to be lower than what they were for him coming off the 2,000-yard season. Yeah, I get it. He's coming off an injury, and he didn't look great against the Bengals. He's the key for them offensively. They're going to be very good on defense. Offensively, he's got to crank out the yards and time of possession and be the baddest man in the NFL, as Mike Keith would call him. Because I think a lot of the other elements will come together as the season progresses. Henry's got to be the man against the Giants week one. So Henry's known as a volume back. The more you give him carries, the better he gets as the game goes on, as the season goes on. There's also this idea that there's a law of diminishing returns for a running back as they get up in carries. But Hutton, what I'm hearing from you is, you're not thinking that the Titans are viewing this as some law of diminishing returns. They're going to ride Henry as much as they can. I, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds terrible to say, but his contract allows him or allows the Titans to use him in this way. He has no more guaranteed money left on his two-year deal that's remaining. And I, I don't think they're going to turn around. I mean, the, the case for those who think that they're going to split reps with the rookie and Hassan Haskins, who's been very good, but not any, anything close to what Henry has shown. For those that think they're going to you know, automatically start giving him more reps uh, as the number two running back, consider that we have the perfect example. It was against the Cincinnati Bengals, where Deontay Foreman was really good last year whenever Henry got hurt. Foreman was active, and he stood on the sidelines despite the Bengals shutting down Derrick Henry. They're still going to turn around and give it to Henry because of the game-breaking game taking ability that he has and, and keep this in mind they went 12 snaps all season last year with two running backs on the field at the same time in the backfield all 12 came after Henry was hurt if they go with two backs it's normally with the fullback 140 snaps last year with two back 128 were with a fullback leading the way so if they're going to use two backs it's going to be a guy leading the charge for Derrick Henry not the other way around Jeff. So we're not going to sugarcoat things on this, uh, this show. We'll just say it. Ryan Tannehill was terrible yes. in the playoff loss to Cincinnati yes. a year ago at home at Nissan Stadium. Hutton, what, what have you noticed from Tannehill coming off what was a very disappointing performance in a very disappointing loss? What have you seen from Tannehill this offseason and preparing now for this season? Well, the offseason started with silence, right? We did not hear from him until the second week of OTAs because he missed the first week of OTAs with some family things. Got there for the second week, all voluntary, by the way. But we didn't hear from him after the loss um, where he was asked about it. 
the first time back whenever he rejoined the team in April. Since then, Chad, he's been very good. He was very good. He had a very good camp. Last year, he was very up and down in training camp. This year, I, I feel like that he's much more confident. Um, I, I believe they're going to be doing some things offensively that's more in tune with what made him really good in 2020. And he's got a, an arsenal with him right now. He's got a – while, it, again, the, the receiving core is not as good because A.J.'s not there, Robert Woods will be a safety valve for him on some quick slants over the middle. I think that's key. And I, I think he also trusts the tight end game with Austin Hooper, Chica Quanquo. Uh, they're going to go with some two tight end sets that will allow him to get the ball out fast, despite maybe not having uh, the, the offensive line that he had a year ago that, that finished up the year and certainly that he, that he had in 2020. There are some things in front of him that have changed. I think Ryan Tannehill has handled the offseason as well as he possibly could outside of the fact that he didn't speak with the media. Well, the Titans don't really care about that as long as he's accurate and he's running the offense and they can trust him. He's going to be very good in the regular season. He's been very good in the regular season for this team every single snap. as He's, he's had up and down moments, but overall very consistent. It's in the playoffs. That's where we'll judge him, and that's where we'll find out if he's back on this team a year from now. I don't want to hit the fast-forward button on this roster yet, but for him individually, I trust him to run the offense and win games and help this team win games offensively with the pieces around him. He's going to do that in the regular season, Chad. It's about the postseason for him because you have to win in the playoffs in different ways. Defenses, certainly, they, Henry can crush them. He did that in 2019 for two straight games, wins at New England. Wins at Baltimore. Then they got to Kansas City, and that defense shut Henry down. And the Titans needed Tannehill to step up. He didn't, and they lost that game. He could not match Patrick Mahomes. Few can. Following year, Baltimore. Baltimore's defense shut down Henry. Tannehill needs to step up in the fourth quarter. He went three for six. They couldn't score. Baltimore advances. And then we saw what happened last year where Henry was a non-factor, and so was Tannehill from the first snap. So Tannehill, obviously a huge story this offseason. Arguably as big a story was the Titans trading away their star receiver, A.J. Brown. They trade away A.J. Brown. They draft Traylon Burks. You, you put on the highlights of Traylon Burks in the SEC West, and Hutney looks an awful lot like A.J. Brown, what he was able to do at Arkansas, comparing it to what A.J. Brown was able to do at Ole Miss, but now we're in the NFL. So the big question, is Traylon Burks ready? I don't think he's 100% ready, no. And it's not due to injury. It's not due to his conditioning it's just due to an offseason where those things played a factor that have left me saying, and I, and I think the Titans saying, we don't really know what to expect from Traylon Burks. Is he a 700-yard receiver? If he is, he's a number two guy. Is he an 1,100-yard receiver? Is he a tw- If he is, he's A.J. Brown's rookie year, and he's stepping up to be a number one guy opposite Corey Davis in comparison here. I think they really need Robert Woods coming off the ACL to be the lead receiver early and let Traylon Burks come into it. But the key for me, though, with him, it, it's not about quantity of yards or catches. It is about the quality of play and the big, massive moments that A.J. Brown put up for this offense. He didn't always get a touchdown to win a game, but he set up a game-winning score with a fantastic one-handed grab down the sideline against Houston or diving into the end zone to make a catch in the back boundary in the corner against Jacksonville, or catching a a pass on a quick slant and carrying four defenders with him for a score in Baltimore. Those are the moments that he did, and he would give those moments five, six, seven times a year that helped them get 
five or six wins in those games where he came up with a big play. That's where Traylon Burks has to replicate what A.J. Brown did. He did that at Arkansas, and he, only, he doesn't have to do that in 10 catches a game. He can do that in three or four as long as Robert Woods is opposite him. Traylon Burks, Hutton, is not the only rookie on offense for the Titans. What do you make of this offensive rookie class overall? I, believe it or not, I think they're actually going to contribute for once um, in, in recent years. I, I, let, I'll start on offense. Chica Quanquo is a good number two tight end option. Uh, he's, he's good enough in the run game, blocking, which they're going to ask a lot from. And I think he is deceptively quick for his size at the tight end spot. I think they, they will be able to get him down a seam in some one-on-one matchups that are favorable to him against linebackers. Comparisons being made to Delaney Walker, yes, another that, former Titan tight end. And a great example there, deceptively quick, fast. Uh, opposite him is Hooper, and I think that helps out the rookie. But the, the real, to me, the big storyline of the rookie class is Kyle Phillips. Unlike Traylon Burks, I can tell you what I expect from Kyle Phillips. He's the lead return guy, and I think he's a good third-down option. I think Kyle Phillips, at the end of the year, is around 50 catches, for about 550 yards. I, I think that's his role in this offense, and I think he can come in and immediately play a, a factor. On defense, the storyline is Roger McCreary. He wears the same number, so it's an easy comparison, but he's the, he's the Malcolm Butler of this defense. He's a gadget guy where you can piece him inside at nickel. You can move him inside. If the, a team goes four or five wide, he can play outside. He's aggressive. He's going to give up some plays, but he erases and goes back to the snap and then makes a play. He, he is... Sticky, as Coach Dave McGinnis would call him. I, I have really been impressed with Roger McCreary. And if we were doing this question in reverse order, I would start with him because I think he's been the most impressive of any rookie so far. Hutton, quickly, what must change with the offense if this Titans team is truly going to contend for a title? They need to get back to what Arthur Smith did so well with, with Ryan Tannehill in 2020, which was more two tight end sets. They did not do this nearly enough last year with Todd Downing. He was known for going more three wide with the Raiders. And guess what he did? He went a lot. He went 700, nearly 670 plays of three wide compared to 406 offensive plays with two tight ends by Arthur Smith the year prior. I think Tannehill operates better in that smaller box, and he executes the offense better in those small, tight windows within the 15-yard radius, and then let your guy catch and run. We like to play offense on this show. We all like offense. You've got to play defense to win a title also. We're going to talk some Titans defense when we come back. This is the Tennessee Power Hour served up by Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey. From Knoxville to Nashville, Titans news and analysis on the Tennessee Power Hour. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Cheers, huh? Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Nelson Brothers Bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get, Get you some Greenbrier. Greenbrier. The news on Rocky Top and Music City. 
More on the Titans and Vols next. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Welcome back. Tennessee Power Hour served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. It's getting me thirsty just talking about it. It's getting me thirsty for football season as we break down balls and titans in this episode number one of the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton. I'm Chad Withrow. Let's get defensive now with the Titans defense this year. Hutton, there's no mistaking the expectations for this Titans defense. They're loaded. There's not a lot of big question marks about this defense for the Titans. Do you think they can deliver on these massive expectations? Yes. If Caleb Farley becomes what Jeffrey Simmons became. When the Titans drafted Jeffrey Simmons late in the first round, we were told this is a guy with top 10, potentially top five talent that fell to the Titans because of his injury history. Because if not for that, his athletic ability and his talent puts him on a team in the top 10. There's no way the Titans get him. They said the same thing about Caleb Farley. And he he had some back issues. He gets to camp. He's slow out of the gate. But then as he's starting to play, tears his ACL. So now he's coming off the ACL, and they have played him a ton this preseason because he's barely played. Even back at Virginia Tech, he barely played and then came to the NFL off injury. They need him and that talent. He's got it. They need him to stay healthy and consistent because if he does – They have a true number one corner. I've already raved about Roger McCreary. And Fulton came into uh, his own last year. On top of the fact that you have Bayard and Hooker at safety, your defensive line is really the strength and the mentality and the A-plus area of the entire roster. This defense, Chad, can be a number one or number two scoring defense in the NFL, meaning points allowed. That's how I judge a defense. It's not on yards. It's not on any, any other metric that ESPN or CBS or anyone wants to point to and try to put other teams up top. I think the Titans will keep teams out of the end zone more often than not and off the scoreboard more often than not with this starting group right now. They can be that good. I, I'm expecting them to pick up where they left off. Maybe not nine sacks a game, but they're going to get after it because they have finally – drafted to the point where those young pieces are now in their prime. So, obviously, Caleb Farley, an impact player. Hutton, who are some other impact players to watch this year? The best player of camp, total, like top to bottom, was Jeffrey Simmons. And that includes both joint practices where I saw the Bucks and the Cardinals on the field with the Titans. The best player I saw practice in August was Jeffrey Simmons. He was dominant, and he's in a big contract year. He debated about whether or not he should hold out, hold in, rather. That's what we saw him do during minicamp for those two days. That was a big question mark of, oh, is he going to show up in practice? He has, and he is about to cash in. The Titans not giving him the extension right now. That's their prerogative. They're going to end up paying more. I think this guy is about to become – one of the most talked about players uh, it, that we've ever seen with the Titans. He's going to be that dominant in the inside. He's coming off a year where he had eight and a half sacks. Um, I, I would already contend that other than Aaron Donald, 
he's the best player at the position except for the guy that has set the bar. And he's unstoppable. The, the, the Bucks and the Cardinals hated him, hated him. Because on the first practice, they were whipped. They went back to the hotel room and got reamed by their coaching staff for not holding their own in the trenches and then came back the next day and got whipped. And then Leonard Fournette started a fight with him to stand up for his guys. I can't wait to see what Simmons does week in and week out because I think he's – we have not seen him peak yet, Chad. He, he's the key. And then on the back end, Kevin Byard had a bad year in 2020, back at it last year, playing more in that free role. And I, I think uh, Deion Sanders knows who Kevin Byard is by the end of this season. I would hope so. One thing I don't know is if it was Bruce Arians or Todd Bowles that reamed out that Bucks defense. It's a little bit confusing about who's leading the organization <laughs> right now. Uh, it can't be all rainbows, sunshines, lollipops, and puppies, Hutton. There's yeah. got to be some concerns, even on defense, for the Titans. What's the biggest concern for this group? I think it's at safety. It's the depth at safety. Because look at the moves they've made since camp started. They signed A.J. Moore from the Colts, and he's, in my mind, he's supposed to be the third safety, the guy who's playing special teams, but is more of like a crookshank role that you can put in. And they got to camp, and within a week and a half, they they started making trades. Now, it was contingent on if a guy makes a roster, Robinson would give that team a pick. But he was still making moves, trying to find safety depth. And they're looking for more than just special teams. Special teams is a part of it. But that third safety, which they've needed quite a bit over the years, they they need a third safety to come in, even if a guy's not hurt. Byard and Hooker are included in this and be the fifth or sixth defensive back in a special defensive package that they have that week. They want a veteran that can diagnose uh, a run gap, identify where it's going to open up, and put his helmet in there and go make a big hit and a big tackle and make a play. Or they want a veteran, that same guy, to come off the bench and be able to move up on the defense. If, a, if they go five wide or they come out with a, a tight end in the slot, and go man-to-man on a tight end in the slot and be able to hold his own and identify, based on down and distance, where the quarterback's likely going to the tight end route. They, they didn't draft high enough at that position for it to be an immediate help. Theo Jackson has been okay uh, throughout the preseason, but they, they need to develop others on the practice squad and guys like Theo Jackson – to become that guy. They need to find the player now, and that's why they've made so many moves. And based on how many moves they've made, that's Robinson telling us that's the weakest position on their defense. Who knew that punter was going to be the big battle of, of training camp? But here we are. First off, Brett Kern appreciation moment here on yeah. this show. Terrific career, terrific guy, great family, did great things for the Titans. We wish him well. But it is now goodbye, Brett Kern, Hello, Ryan Stonehouse for the Titans, Hutton. Stonehouse, I will get to in just a moment. But consider this about Brett Kern. Since, since the Titans came to Nashville, he has played for every head coach. That's wow. how long he's been with the organization. He started with Fisher in 2009. That's crazy. And he ends with Mike Vrabel. And, you know, he, he was released in Denver in, 20, in 2009 because he literally outkicked his coverage. I mean, it, he was 
<laughs> he, was, he was booming it. He was booming it. And that's what Ryan Stonehouse has done. And I think Kern knew, um, and he took a pay cut this offseason. He restructured his contract. And they, they signed Stonehouse. And I think, uh, I think Brett knew within the first couple of days that this kid – this kid has got a leg that only four or five guys in the league may have, and it's not me, right? Um, what, what Kern, though, provided that Stonehouse does not have right now are the tricks in the bag, like the knuckle punt. Whenever Hentrick got hurt, they signed Kern. Hentrick was still around. And so Kern, I remember in, in 2009. It's crazy to think their careers overlapped. Yeah, briefly. <laughs> That's how long Kern's Because they signed around. Cody Hodges, and Hodges was so bad. And the Titans got lucky whenever the Broncos waved Kern. And Hendrick was – he was down, I believe it was a back issue. And he was still in the locker room. But they would work on the positioning of the football for the knuckle punt because Kern didn't know how to do it at the time. And, of course, Hendrick perfected it. So that's where Stonehouse I'm, – I'm curious to know, like, the development of the tricks in the bag – and the, the short punts. Not every punt needs to go 65 to 80 yards. He's got the leg for it. But not every, not every punt needs to be, uh, you know, this 80-yard bomb. It, there has to be some touch to it. And Kern was a guy that if you put a, a trash can on the five-yard line, he could hit the trash can. It's going to bounce out of bounds. Like, that's in his prime, he was that good. They believe Stonehouse can be that guy. As an undrafted punter with the leg he has, you have to keep that guy on the roster, especially if you have a 14-year vet that you feel is going to retire soon. Hutton, this has been a really fun first episode yes. of Tennessee Power Hour. One thing is for sure, each and every week, we will talk Vols and Titans, or we'll talk Titans and Vols, however you prefer, if you want to mix and match. We're going to do both those things every single week. We want to thank all of our radio affiliates that have jumped on board. You can catch us on podcast as well. Hutton, it's been a lot of fun. It has been a blast. Thank you to Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Two Rivers Ford. And uh, I would say if you're interested in joining the, the group, hit us up. We're, we're open for business. We like friends. We yes, love we friends on this show. We love all of you as well. And thank you to Colin Warner for making the show happen for us as well. We love Colin. Colin likes friends too. So you can <laughs> join on and become a big part of our, our wolf pack hey, here on the show. Cheers. Enjoy the football weekend. It's back. Cheers indeed. Thanks to everyone. Cheers to all of you for listening to the very first episode of the Tennessee Power Hour served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey.